Punk Mythology Friends. I'm Kate. And I'm Other Jen. And we're the Drunk Mythology Gals. Drunk Mythology Gals. <laughs> I have to rush today because I got somebody waiting to get into the room that I sit in when I'm recording. <laughs> v! No, it's not V. Really? <laughs> really? Oh, my. Well, yeah. um, my apologies to V. <laughs> I called yeah. around for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lucy, she is shockingly home. <laughs> As like, opposed to uh, giving her passport a workout. Right, right. Or house-sitting for you in Los Angeles. You, uh, know. you know, that almost counts as giving your passport a workout. Almost. <laughs> almost. It's close. Um, so she has a, a class that she's taking and she has to do like video stuff ah. for this class. And so she likes to come into this room, the same room where I record, because there's, it's it's just, she doesn't want her stuff in the background of the video. I understand that completely. Same, same. Yeah. And honestly, I think when you eventually do go to sell your house, you should simply call it, you know, three bedrooms and a production room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it's been a hot minute. Um, and, you know, I know that the last episode we did was a little heavy. Just I, saying. I don't remember. That. It was Adidas, the almond tree of sorrow. Okay, I remember there was something about almonds. And then we did an episode on flavors. Right. So Adidas was the last main episode we released. And it was um, about an intersex character from mythology. Okay. And that's co It's coming back to me. And basically how everybody still lost their shit about it. And basically, and everybody dies, nobody ends up happy. And then a Christian, early Christian proselytizer took the myth and made it worse. Oh, right. I remember that yeah. now. Of course. But speaking of uh religious nut jobs oh dear <laughs> i realized <gasps> that it was almost a year it was just over a year ago that we first covered the story of stupid stonehenge oh my god you just triggered the <laughs> algorithm you said the words you said the words go ahead and say the official words go ahead feed the algorithm go ahead uh, i'm going to i'm going to give it uh yeah. So oh. the stupid Stonehenge was that racist stone circle in Georgia that got blown up, probably by some super red pill dumbass who thought it was an evil globalist, i.e. the Jews plot, without realizing that the guy who designed it was an OG red pilled racist nut job too. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but before you get excited, no. There is no update. I just felt like what? mentioning it. Oh, come on. Oh. I had to cancel my Google alert update for it because after the first two months, I started getting notifications from like the Daily Stormer or the Daily Caller and the Stormfront and all these weird like um, not even badly disguised like blatant neo-Nazi sites. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Figures these are the only people who still care. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. But I did check the status of the investigation and the 
Georgia, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, says the case is still open and that they are collecting tips, but they have not yet named a suspect. So based on my extensive study of true crime, which clearly makes me one of the internet's almost foremost experts, I can say that this either means they got shit and this case will never be solved until someone walks in and confesses, or they know who did it, but don't have enough to make an arrest that will be a strong enough case in court. Ah. And. Um, Yeah. Okay. It really could be either one. It really could be, you know. Um, And I, I was. I remember you and I both shared a legit concern for, you know, the economic well-being of Elbert County because that, you know, hundreds of thousands of tourism dollars came in, despicable tourist dollars, but whatever, you know, money is money. Economic hit is an economic hit and these people can't really afford it. Right, right. But don't worry, because while, yes, the tourism dollars are down, there are still people coming to see the remains of the Guidestones. Oh, my word. Okay. And chalk it up to this is why we can't have nice things. While the Albert uh, Granite Association says they won't personally be rebuilding the Guidestones, they're not opposed to someone else doing it. Oh, of course. People are horrible and nothing is new. Right. But Mm. before we officially get started, sacrifices to Odin this week? Um... So part of the reason that episodes have been sparse is my fault. Um, I signed up for two summer classes. Yes, we're in the summer at the time we're recording this. Yep. And so I can't even remember if we talked about this on the last recording or not. Summer class is accelerated. It's a full 16-week semester course crammed into five weeks. That's a lot <laughs> on top of a full-time job. <laughs> and and kids and parents and house. Yes. Yeah. A full-time and a half job because the workload right now is about a 60-hour-a-week workload. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then throw in accelerated pace classes. And yeah, so my sacrifice to Odin. My last homework assignment is tonight. Woo-hoo! And then, yep. And then my last test, my last exam, is is the day after tomorrow. I I think it opens the day after tomorrow. I have to look. It's I don't know what day it is. I just know I have to finish the homework tonight. What is it? Where am I? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. and and also one day at a time. And also, you know, rebuilding your back porch and all that. Oh yeah, that's the interruptions from my husband saying, "Oh, look at this porch picture." <laughs> I'm like, um, I still say to... he needs a Pinterest board. But for so my end, um, I took advantage of Jen's preoccupation with her academic career to <laughs> paint our stairwell. Oh right, yes. And I actually we d- we do something called Audio Buddy, where she and I mm-hmm. just get on the phone with each other and sort of mutter along as we each do a series of chores. Yeah. And I'm painting <laughs> as she's doing homework. Or <laughs> one day while I was taking a test. Yeah. <laughs> Offering my ever so insightful and helpful answers. <laughs> None of them, motherfucker. Choose C, because why the hell not? 
all of the above. <laughs> yep. I'm kind of channeling pod dog when I do that. Cause he's yes. just like, when you're 343 years old, see how much you give a shit. Right. <laughs> and yes, pod dog is still with us. Yeah. We, we celebrated, uh, two full years of welcoming him into the family and no way has it been two years two years and holy crap he's still large and in charge he's a little wobblier a little whiter a little blinder and deafer and saltier than ever yes (laughs) and I just love him and you know what Lucy, yeah. when she was dog sitting, she took wonderful care of him. Oh, so. of course she did. Yeah. She but did. like, he doesn't like everybody. Like he was chill with her. Like he let her feed him, which is a huge step. <laughs> but anyway, so I painted the <laughs> stairwell. And then this week I ha- am having a totally new jury duty experience. Oh, right. So yeah, jury duty in LA County. Uh-huh is a week of being on call. Oh, <gasps> holy so, crap. Friday night, starting at seven o'clock through, I think like Monday at 6 a.m., you check in to see if you've been summoned that day. Wow. And then last night I checked at seven to see if I've been summoned today. And tonight I will check in at seven to see I've if I've been summoned for tomorrow. So I get to do this all week. Oh my word. You can't have any appointments or make any plans. Yay. Holy crap. That's, wow. That's disruptive. It is. And yet it isn't. Okay. Because like if you're working, you know, a regular full-time job in some ways, I could see this sort of being a great excuse to be like a catch-up week, like don't book me for any meetings, don't book me for anything, because I might be gone any day. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, it's a weird system. So you know, I'm on tenterhooks all week, and it is superior court. So mm. it's going to be criminal if I do go in, which means my love of true crime, yes, is oh. going to be fed, and I am going to look so innocent, and really hope they put me they impanel me because. <laughs> I've sat on juries before. I know. I know yeah. what's going on. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you so could. Anyway, you, you realize you could get picked for a case that yeah. goes months. Yeah. Months. I get a stipend. That's. <laughs> I'm a freelancer. Oh this is great. God. This is income, oh baby. <laughs> anyway, what about like? Okay, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. What are you drinking? I know what you're drinking. That's right. (laughs) Why don't you tell me what I'm drinking? Oh, crap. Where'd the text message go? (laughs) I sent you a whole bunch of little animated. You're drinking Jack. (laughs) In my cup. Yes, I hear the metal. That's right. The rattle, the ice rattling in the the Yeti. Yes. And I will um, say that this there is one other little piece of news I wanted to share because this is also yeah. my way a little bit of an update for everybody. Um, this is the first episode I'm recording on uh, my new setup. I have a standing desk. Oh, so you're going to record standing. Yeah. Awesome. And so far, 
it's working great. In fact, there's less uh, room to fidget. <laughs> like you're not going to hear the chair bumps or the, oops, I knocked something over or the. Oh, you just jinxed it. Well, I already did spill my drink a little bit, but you See? didn't hear it. <laughs> but yes, we were out of Jack. And so Jen's like, give me 10 minutes. I'm like, fine, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, she's sending me texts running to the store for Jack. We're out. And I'm like, what? We've been minutes. out for like three weeks. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, la-di-da. I've got plenty of time. And then all of a sudden, like two minutes later, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> because apparent, apparently the store is only a block away. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty so, much. So and what are yeah. you drinking? <sighs> well, remember what I said I have to do tonight? <laughs> I would I assume have, it would go better with vodka, but it would, but I have, I have an OG. I have tepid water and it's not even a full glass. <laughs> it's only half. Okay. Full. So soon, <laughs> soon we will resume being yes. both the tipsy yes. mythology gals, but yeah, yes. I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right. So, so our disclaimer. Do not drink and drive cars, chariots, eight-legged horses, passports, production rooms, or stupid Stonehenge guidestones in Georgia that feed crazy shit into your algorithm. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so let's I want a get gold star for that one. You get a you get two gold stars for that one. <clears throat> so let's get started. A long time ago, when the world was young. Or maybe older than we thought. Oh. So I'd like to call our first story, If It Ain't Dutch, It Ain't Much. Okay. <laughs> Which is a joke I got from a friend of mine who was Dutch in college. Okay. Pennsylvania Dutch. But she's like, if it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. All righty. <laughs> Is this um, going to make more sense as we go along? It, 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 it is. Okay. It's just a, it's just, it's a joke. Let it flow. Let it ripple okay. over. Let it ripple over you. So this story didn't even try to be subtle. Oh. This story came out on June 21st, summer solstice. Oh, okay. On that day, a group of archaeologists and the town of Teal, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Dutch, so who knows, um, <laughs> in the Netherlands, announced the discovery of a circle. Oh, um, okay. a sacred astronomy circle a la Stonehenge. Oh, okay. So rocks? Well, it, so the <laughs> rocks or not, the primary construction of these circles is really, it starts with kind of a mounding, like they almost dig, I don't know the uh, exact mechanics of the construction, but it's, it looks to me like when I've seen them in person, they almost dig a trench and then build up an actual large flat circular mound in the middle of it. And then depending what it is, they, they erect stones, different shapes of boulders, different you know, there could have been wooden posts. Okay. Um, and actually, I've seen ones like in Portugal where 
after a thousand years, they erect a second set of stones because something with the tilt of the earth has shifted. <gasps> yeah. I learned about that in my science class. Or, well, let me say, I read about that in my science class. I did not retain <laughs> That well, but it 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 like, struck the chord, right? Yeah, yeah. I was so, like, oh, there was something about Earth tilt. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I personally, this is also going back like uh, twenty three years to my trip to Portugal. But okay. literally, after a certain period of time, like the angle of the Earth kind of adjusts, and you have to adjust your astronomical circle with it. Yes to at least uh, monitor certain constellations. Now, I think things like the sun and the moon, those angles are far more static, which is why um, the passage to uh, at Meath, I think it is, in Ireland, uh, you know, consistently has the perfect summer and winter solstice um, oh. angles. Okay. So anyway, this, you know, it's always exciting when there's a discovery of a big sacred circle and it's actually a site that is rich with artifacts oh and um like most ancient stone stone circles and other circles it's got lots of nifty astronomical features especially you know like i just said showcasing the longest day of the year i.e summer solstice june 21st when the story came out and also the shortest day of the year the winter solstice right and no it wasn't built by aliens. Are you sure? It's never <laughs> built by aliens. It, nothing is ever fucking built by aliens. You think that they have time to waste on playing intergalactic Legos with us just because a bunch of threatened, insecure white guys can't handle the idea that other cultures and races could figure out ancient physics and shit? <laughs> I think we need to send it to... Right, so we can put it on a t-shirt. I'm writing that shit down. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to drop it as an aside here, but I did come up with a tentative new uh, yeah. uh, slogan for the podcast. Uh, but again, I okay. think this is just me being too nerdy. So you know okay. how the ancient Greeks, they didn't wear togas, they wore chitons? Sure. It was called a chitin instead of a toga. And it's more like a tunic instead of like a drape. Oh, okay. And I was like, we are a chitonoclastic podcast. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Isn't that the best? <laughs> Too deep in the weeds. Too right? deep in the right? weeds. Right? <laughs> I know, but we're chitonoclastic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> Where am okay. I at? Anyway. <clears throat> Ahem. And, you know... This is, you know, my rage is part of the reason why I don't talk about stone sacred circles more, not stone circles, okay. sacred circles more. Okay. But I digress. So this site uh, is about 19 miles from the city of Utrecht. And again, okay. I've heard of it. Yep. Uh, again, I, I'm sure there's a more co correct Dutch pronunciation, but whatever. <laughs> uh, it's a huge site. It ha it's nine acres or the equivalent of three American football fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like the, you say it's a circle. So that's well, like it, the it's diameter. A circle, but it also has like ancillary 
uh, mounds and other, you okay. know, remnants around it. So, so there's a, also there's a campus. <laughs> yeah, it's a campus. That's a great way to describe it because it's also a burial site. Oh, there are yeah. sixty adults and children buried there. That I guess that they've discovered so far, and. Okay. This isn't unusual, even with sort of this limited amount, given the amount of time they think that this might have been in use, because typically, you know, these sites, when they were used for burial, were used for important people to the community, royalty, warriors, okay. priests, etc. So, Got it. you know, the fact that they haven't found thousands of people buried there isn't surprising because, you know. Okay. It, it it's an exclusive burial site. Oh, yes. And, you know, it, that's the same, like, when you go to the Hill of Tara in Ireland, and I've been there twice, and okay. while it's not a stone circle, it is a strategic geographical point that also has tombs for the old Celtic-Irish royals. And oh. I, sh side note, I should do an episode on my trips to the Hill of Tara and all the mythology and history there, because... I also got some weird photographs there. Oh, you showed me the photographs. They're right? creepy. With, yeah. with, with the little, it, dare I say it? it? Lens flare, but I'm doing air quotes. Hey, I'm doing air quotes. I'm just saying I've seen this little orb over several yeah. different phones. Yeah. Whatevs. Anywho, which could yeah. also be a feature of the lens of the iPhone with the angle of the sun. But, you know, life is more exciting when you do embrace a bit of whimsy and conspiracy. Absolutely. So but it's, it's not aliens. Not racist or aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Okay. So this Dutch stone circle is pretty old. Um, okay. Although not as old as the ones over in Ireland. But, you know, every country has different ages and sites of these circles. Um, and it clocks into, you know, somewhere between 2,500 to 1,200 BCE, making it about 4,500 years old at wow. the high end. Now, Very cool. For a benchmark, remember Homer and Hesiod? Okay. Those guys right. who sort of set the tone for a lot of Greek mythology. Yep. They were circa 800 BCE. Okay. So this which predates is them a lot. By 1,600 years. Wow. Which okay. is three quarters between us and technically the birth of Jesus Christ, according to Western calendar. Damn. So yeah, history is long, yo. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I, I have pasted a picture of the Dutch Stonehenge, the Am Dutch Henge. scroll? <laughs> you are now allowed to scroll. Okay. But only to this picture. Okay. All right. I see the picture and then I see the link underneath it showing mm -hmm. where you got it. That's all I see. So this is, again, the three football fields okay. size of the site. Got it. I see like a, I, I don't know the names of construction equipment, but mm -hmm. there is, you said this was in a city called Teal? Near a city. Okay, yeah. The color of this little construction thingy is teal. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's the same color as our Yeti cups. It's like Tiffany blue. <laughs> it is. Robin's egg. 
It's Robin's yeah. egg. <laughs> yeah. I think it, you know what? I think that thing is a backhoe. I've zoomed in. It's a backhoe. Okay. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I don't, beyond a lawnmower and a yeah. chainsaw, I don't no, know. It, it's, it's a backhoe. And actually, there are two backhoes. If you look behind the line of trees, there's another backhoe. Yes, there is another one. Yeah. Um, but it's it looks like a construction site in the photo mm-hmm. with a little patch of grass, kind of a mound of grass that's in a circle with... I guess these are the the rocks or whatever material they put in the ground. Sort of mound barriers. Yeah, to make a a circle, a a border around this mound of earth. And then they've obviously excavated and done a whole bunch of digging outside of that. But it looks like they're trying not to touch everything inside the circle. Right. And I think the areas around the circle that you see that have been sort of raked, dug up, mounded to the side are where they found a number of the burials. Okay. And also different grave goods. So I'm not perfect, but if you notice, I have been pretty careful not to say stone circle, except when I do inadvertently, because technically this was not a stone circle. Okay. It was apparently built, the the posts and sign bits were built out of wood, which obviously would have decayed over the past 4,000 years. Uh, yeah. And while this is somewhat sad, it's also another argument against aliens. <laughs> yeah. Because these okay. people were like, yeah, we could do stone, but why? <laughs> and um, actually, they did... If you, you are now allowed to scroll to the next picture. Okay. <laughs> scrolling, scrolling. And scroll. the artist working oh, with the, the crew. Oh, what the hell am I looking at? So the oh artist working with the crew, the archaeologists, um, okay. they did a historically accurate rendering of what the site might have looked like. Interesting. And so this it, it would have had... It is kind of creepy, but also remember, you know, they look at skulls and things in a different way than we do. What is, uh, okay, so this is definitely an artistic interpretation. My Although it does have solid art, it does have this solid historical basis. Yes. My husband's an artist. I know what art looks like. <laughs> and well, yeah, this is. I I, I, oh, I know the, this is a, his influence is just ruining this for me because I'm seeing the sight lines and the the symmetry and the asymmetry and the balance and he would be so proud of me. But <laughs> from an archaeological standpoint, <laughs> yeah. So you have like these two rows of these posts sticking up out of the ground, like mm-hmm. like a chopped off telephone pole but like a colonnade lining a corridor yeah and so you're in this picture you're looking straight down the middle as if they're you know lined up on each side of you and you're gonna walk down the middle and there's even a little dirt path that is suggesting this is where you walk because the grass is you know worn away from foot traffic 
from foot traffic over time, which is an important thing to remember. But off in the distance, uh, there's a hill or an embankment of some sort. I'm guessing that's the edge of the the circle. Mm -hmm. And there's something creepy as shit standing off in the distance that we can't see. And... Oh my God, it looks like a cross. It looks like a crucifixion cross. It's a dude holding up some feathers. Okay. All right. (laughs) And I was going to say, with somebody waving something. Yeah. Because maybe if, you know, I had a higher resolution and had more room to zoom even more than I am now, maybe I'd be able to see what this is and it wouldn't be so freaky looking, but... It's actually a still from sort of an animated video that they recreated to walk you around the site interesting but honestly this looks like 99% of the you know minus the wood a lot of the sites I've been to have either stone or nothing so even when you approach a you know an unexcavated site Mm -hmm. you can still see the indentations in the ground, even if they've settled over time, you can see the embankment, you can see the sort of quote unquote moat or trench, and you can see the, um, you can see the large sort of central circle. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it's amazing. I actually stumbled on a site just like this in a forest in Ireland. Okay. And, uh, you know, you know me, I am very cynical. I am very scientific. I am agnostic bordering on atheist. God is in the physics. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I realized what I was standing on, I was like, okay, that's why I feel weird. I need to get out of here. They don't want me here. Whoa. Ireland, let me tell you, Ireland is one of the few places in this world where, and I have traveled to a lot of places. Yeah, you have. And there's just this different sense of the earth itself. Wow. Like you're aware of the earth you're standing on, but it's aware of you. Damn. That's creepy. It is so creepy and I am so here for it. Ireland is my soul country. So anyway, (laughs) while all of this is extremely cool, the most (laughs) fascinating part of this whole story to me is the fact that around the town of Teal, which is again where that circle is located, Mm -hmm. this has been the site of multiple digs where they have found more than a million artifacts. All the way from the Stone Age through medieval times. Oh, okay. So they find stuff around this area constantly. Uh, Yes. And it's not just the circle, but there are settlements. There are, you know, little hamlets, you know, clusters of a small farm, things. You know, there are certain places. This goes to what I really love, love, love about sites like this. When you have a site that has been continuously inhabited for so freaking long, I mean, think about it. You've got a modern town, a 21st century town, 
right next door to a site that's 4,000 years old. Wow. And people have been living there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love thinking about the geography, resource, economic, social reasons that certain places become these, uh, for lack of a better word, anchors for humanity. Right. And I know that on a practical basis, it usually starts with access to water, food gathering, shelter, hunting, defense. But even with the slightest bit of technological progress that helps humanity expand their reach, like humanity still stays anchored in certain places. Like take, for example, Paris. Yes. There's a legit archaeological dig under Ile de la Cité. Mm Mm-hmm where Notre Dame is. Yes. Uh, not the Eiffel Tower, Notre Dame. <laughs> Je vois la Tour Eiffel. Ce n'est pas la Tour Eiffel. And congrats, by the way, on passing your 500-day. Yes. You realize With, you yeah. started doing this while we've been doing this podcast. Yes. So what Kate's referring to, 500 continuous days I have spent at least a few minutes minimum doing French on Duolingo. Some days it might only be two or three minutes. That's all I have. Other days I might sit there for half an hour because I'm avoiding other things. (laughs) (laughs) French Um, is always a good excuse to avoid other things. Yeah. Um, And I had a coworker just today, we were talking about it and she asked me, have you had to use any of the freezes? Because they have like this fail safe. You can earn these, they call them freezes. Oh, like if an emergency happens, if an emergency happens, unconscious and it's not your fault. (laughs) Right. I can activate, I can spend one of my freezes and I don't lose, I don't start back over at zero. And I said, no, I have legit done French on Duolingo every single day. And I can verify that (laughs) every two to three weeks, I get a a flurry of texts (laughs) from Jen. I don't understand this construction. Why is it this way, this way once? And why is it the other way in certain other situations? And I'm like, it's it's just, it is a habit. It is the way we speak, huh? And then there's, what the hell is this word? It keeps showing up in all these other sentences. And I swear this one word has like a gazillion different meanings. Wait, which? De? Fair. Fair. To make. To make, to do. Yeah, to to make, to do. Make and do are two different things. That should be two different words. (laughs) Hashtag. Ravenclaws don't do French. <laughs> it's like a Make. penance for your sins. Yeah. Um, like, but, I'm going to do exercise. That's not the same as make. But doing is, in a sense, engendering something. If you say so, fine. I'm just, okay, back I, to I'm the just throwing out my <laughs> etymology flex. But anyway, back to the Ile de la Cité. But with Paris, as with other places like Teal, Rome, Athens, people have been living in these places since the first people trekked out of Africa that far north. Tens of thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands. One of the most 
you can probably come up with the right adjectives. Die something. Dichotomous? I think that's the word. The Colosseum in Rome. Yep. With traffic jams. Right, right out, right beside it. You have traffic jams right beside the Colosseum. It's like, what? 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 Huh? What? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's true. I mean, have you ever tried to drive around the Arc de Triomphe? When I lived with my host family, anytime anyone came to visit, I would fear for my life because we would all pack into this teeny tiny Peugeot and my host <laughs> would rage drive around the Arc de Triomphe to show them the sights and park in the middle of traffic. <laughs> and he's like, take the photo, take the photo. <laughs> and every single photo everybody took from that moment is like blurred because they're like shaking so bad because everybody's honking. But anyway, oh. you know, back to our not so stone circle. Yes. Actually, as I dug deeper into the story, the coolest thing that they've actually found around these ancient digs around Teal is a glass bead. Oh, a single glass bead or a glass bead that they keep finding repeatedly? No, a single glass bead. One. But that could be because others were looted, broken, disintegrated, haven't been found yet. But... What's cool about this glass bead is that it came all the way from ancient Bronze Age Iraq. And how do they know this? They have people who can identify this shit and they can analyze it. Okay. Bronze Age is 3300 to 1200 BCE. Okay. So we're still... Even at 1200 BCE, we're still 400 years before 800 BCE and Homer. Right. Yeah, got it. it. 1200 minus 400 is 800, right? Uh, Yeah, sure. Yes. Don't don't give me the sure. Like, is it or is it not? I tried doing math on a podcast. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes. But, you know, even if there's not direct contact, There was trading happening along a corridor that extends 3,000 miles from Iraq to the Netherlands. Right. 4,000, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And scroll to the next picture and you'll see the bead. Okay. This looks like something mildewy that, like, I... (laughs) Yeah. It has like green mold on it. <laughs> no, green is the color of the glass. Green is the color of the glass. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. And how do we know that like one of the archaeologists didn't drop this out of their pocket? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, Ever the skeptic here. <laughs> I know. I know. And I do get it that like it it is possible that. I, yeah, I know. They. These are not typically, or I wouldn't think that these are individuals out to plant evidence, implicate minorities. (laughs) (laughs) Did I say that out loud? Sorry, it's the Georgia Guidestones Google algorithm getting to me. Yeah, I I don't think that's any, I, I don't think they're motivated by something like that. 
that's not what they're out to gain. Um, so I, yeah, this is legit. I'm mostly just poking at, you know, poking at your story, poking um, at my rage bear. Yeah. Yeah. Just poke the bear. It's okay. But, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not worried about my blood pressure. It's fine. <laughs> I, I love you anyway. But it's this not is like really... I've been finding glitter on my yeah. back step and like <laughs> in my patio over the past two weeks two that I didn't notice lately, but it's okay. It's fine. Ah, yes. Um, but you know, if you think, if you remember to, uh, I guess our very first year when I did that episode, the voyage of Pythias. Yes. And he was the Greek who had settled a colony in southern, what is today southern France, and traveled all the way up to, you know, Great Britain. Excuse me. You know, it's not unthinkable that there were trade routes. Right. Or people traveling. And I didn't even realize this, but I might actually prove my point in a later story. Oh, okay. Here in this episode. So let's move on to the next one. Oh boy. Which um, I'm going to ask you to go gently on me because this <laughs> one was fueled by rage. Okay. So the second story for today is something I'm calling product labeling is nothing new. Also fuck the Romans. Oh, okay. Okay. So aside from fuck the Romans and people have always been horrible, what's one of my other favorite sayings on this podcast? Nothing is new. Yep. You (laughs) are fucking right. (laughs) But, and the reason I asked you to be gentle is because this story is, it basically triggers all of my past in marketing and advertising. Oh shit, we're in for it. <laughs> so I'm I'm now wondering why this isn't story number three. And then my brain says, well, crap, story three must be quite a doozy. <laughs> so when you go to the grocery store, yeah, every single fucking item on the shelf has been designed. Yes, of course. That means a whole team from a bevy of account managers and admins to graphic designers to print and color experts to FDA and global product standard experts have had to weigh in on the label and its design. Yes. Even for the great value canned corn that some (laughs) seems like someone took some clip art and used Microsoft paint to design the label. There's that whole team behind it. Yep. (laughs) Quick aside, it might be too soon, but whatever, I'm a terrible person. The best dark humor joke that I can't forget about the Titans of Mercible oh. is it's shitty half-assed non-standard non-tested construction, which someone called it a great value submersible. <laughs> I did not see that one. And I am sorry. I am genuinely sorry for those who lost their lives and more so for their families, friends, etc. I literally am still following yes. the story. But oh wow. Great value submersible. Yeah. For the yeah. win. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I mean the wow. Orca Uprising crossover memes are a close second, but whatever. 
<laughs> You've seen the picture I posted yes. on that one. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, back to the grocery store. <laughs> so every, hang on, let me get back to my PR <laughs> presentation voice. Every cheesy slogan, every terrible piece of art meant to evoke freshness and health and flavor on something in an aluminum can stabilized with sodium and other chemical preservatives, all of that was designed. Mm-hmm. Are you afraid yet? No. God damn it. Because <laughs> I get this. I know this. Right. So because nothing is new, right. color me not shocked that archaeologists have found a three-inch fragment of a 2,000-year-old olive oil jar in southern Spain with a Latin quote from Virgil on it. Whoa. You may now scroll to the next picture. Okay. Oh, all right. So this looks like a broken piece of ceramic. Like an ostraca? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and there's, there's <laughs> writing on it. It's not a spreadsheet, it. but it's okay. It's not a spreadsheet. Um, there's writing on it in characteristic characters that are not the alphabet that I know. It's sort so, of casual Latin. Okay. Yeah, very casual. It looks like just like doodles to me. <laughs> I can um, sort of kind of read it, but it I really don't want to. <laughs> I, oh, I wonder if the the translate app on my iPhone with the camera. Oh, but wait. Okay. Just wait. Okay. Patience. Okay. Grasshopper. Okay. So researchers in Spain at this site 250 miles southwest of Madrid and probably where near where I'm going to be going on vacation next year. Oh, yeah. Rub it in. Well, you know, once a year I get to do a big <laughs> trip with the yep. fam. Um, last this year was Hawaii and next year is Spain. Mm, yep. I'm going to see the Alhambra and Gibraltar and those episodes are going to be epic. But anyway, oh. so this is an 18 year old, approximately pottery shard inscribed with a hundred year old. You said 18 year old. 18 Sorry, 1800 Yeah. It's, it's go. fine. I haven't had Jack in three weeks. You know what it's doing to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, so that means it's like, you know, between 150 to 350 CE. So 150 okay. years after the birth of Christ to 350 years, you know, give or take-ish. Okay. So the settlement where this was found had a ceramics workshop. It was a farm. It was an olive orchard. And, you know, they were producing oil, but they were also, you know, trying to sell it either locally or exporting it. And what do you need? You need containers. Right. Yeah. And this is a side quest for some point. Please make a note because Flavor Wars Part 2. Oh. For Patreon Deep Dive. Um, okay. You know how today people are like, is it 100% Greek, 100% Italian, or 100% Spanish olive oil? Oh, goodness. Really? No. They've... Have you not heard of it? 
I've not heard. No, I buy I buy Publix brand. As do I. But there was a point where Trader Joe's had this amazing 100% Greek Kalamata olive oil that I would buy a bottle of and it was sacred for salads. Ah, okay. Because you legit could tell the difference. Oh. And I'm not a, I'm not a, a very skilled flavor person. Okay. But if I can tell the difference, you know, gotcha. Something's happening. Okay. And I know that Kim, when she edits, this is going to weigh in, but, and yep. yes, Kim is still with us. She's doing great. Yes. Yep. Frida is doing great. Yep. And there's going to be another book soon. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get to read it before everybody else. Anyway. Yes, we are. <laughs> so it is not unusual to find fragments of amphora, whether it's for olive oil or wine or whatever. Like, okay, these fragments are legit everywhere around ancient dig sites. I would walk around right. and I'm like, um, shouldn't someone have picked this shit up? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's there's just so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> Some sites they're like, uh, we could rebuild wall or pick up amphora. Right. Um, but what's unique is the inscription by Virgil. Right, right, right. So who is Virgil? Right. I, I know feel that's like what I've you're asking. The, well, I I feel like I've heard the name, and and most people probably have heard the name, kind of, sort of. So okay. he was a. Roman poet, but you know, when they say poet, they kind of mean like, do you know the American novelist Tom Wolfe? I know the name. name? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like Tom Wolfe or Jody Picot, or, um, you know, just somebody whose books hit really big and mainstream, and then eventually you find on clearance at like Sam's Club. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like Virgil, Ovid, all these guys, they were big, big, big. And then everybody memorized because if you remember back to our school supply episode, Mm -hmm. memorization was a big thing. So everybody would Uh, memorize their stuff and reproduce it. Oh, okay. Got it. Authors have been suffering since forever. (laughs) Plagiarism. Yeah. But you know what? I actually yeah. don't feel bad for Virgil or Ovid, but okay. um, because Virgil wrote something called the Aeneid. And what is okay. the Aeneid? It's for short, it's a plagiarized version of Homer's Iliad or the tale oh. of the Trojan War. Wow. Okay. Because right. legit, the Romans were all about wholesale, unapologetic plagiarism. Mm, 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 mm. And as a former academic and current editor, this is just, I got to breathe. My blood pressure is going up. (laughs) But yeah, they're like, yeah, we're, we're just going to use new names every seven words. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, So yeah. And yes, for a long time, being able to recite uh, Homer's Iliad, in ancient Greek and Virgil's Aeneid in ancient Latin were considered the hallmark of white male Western education. Damn. 
up wow. until literally the 1920s and 30s. Oh my word. Goodness gracious. Yes. Okay. If if you could not read ancient Greek and Latin, mm-hmm. it, you were uneducated. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Progress is slow, but it is made. So yeah. anyway, so we've got this piece of olive oil jar with this inscription on it. Right. So for some reason, i.e. probably shitty design decision by a committee. <laughs> Sorry, I'll be channeling my past again. <laughs> this amphora had a lesser known poem from Virgil inscribed on it. Oh, I will not make a bad joke about Romans and copyright. Yeah. I will not. Right. So anyway, this fragment has a piece of Virgil's Georgics poem about the invention of farming. Oh. Which also mentions at some point Dionysus, which we talked Uh-oh. about way back in an episode about Dionysus because he was mm-hmm. a Christ-like figure who also invented booze and farming. Right. Um, but this poem, the Georgic, Georgics, blah, mentions acorns, wheat, and wine, all staples of the Roman diet, along with olive oil. So, oh. other Jen, would you yes. please read the translation of the fragment? Okay. Oh, you brightest lights of the universe that lead the passing year through the skies. Bacchus, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Bacchus, and which is Dionysus. Bacchus and kindly Ceres. Mm-hmm. Demeter. Okay. Since by your gifts, fat wheat ears replaced Chan- Chaonian, Chaonian acorns. acorns and mixed. <laughs> Why are you giving me these words? Achilles. Achilles' water. Somebody's like name dropping here. Do <laughs> He's a Roman. What do you expect? He's like hashtagging and people tagging his Instagram poem. He is brand name dropping here. Okay. He he is trying to influencer swag. Yeah. Okay. Since by your gifts, fat wheat ears replaced Chanel acorns and (laughs) and mixed Adidas water with newly discovered wine... And you, fawns, the farmer's local gods, Fendi, the farmer's (laughs) local gods, come dance together, fawns and dryad girls, your gifts I sing. (laughs) I can throw in some brand names in there. You know, somewhere a Roman is rolling over from the ashes and is like, I like that. I'm going to repost it. He's absolutely going, I'm stealing that. (laughs) That hits so close to home, I can't even. (laughs) So, back to the actual story. Yes. Researchers say this is the first poem ever found inscribed on an amphora, and it could be the work of a child learning to write. Oh, and right. Yeah. If you remember last year's back to school supply story. Yep. They we, write on whatever they have. Exactly. 
Or it could have been the work of a particularly soulful romantic ceramics worker who was like, poetry is life, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And the researchers make the point that this fragment demonstrates a wider rate of literacy among common people than previously thought. Okay. Yay. All right. But you know what? I know the truth. Yeah, we don't know who wrote on it. No, I I know Uh-oh. the truth. Oh, dear. <laughs> Some oh dear. poor account executive in charge of settling these amph- selling these amphora was told by their manager that the numbers were down and to get creative with marking, marketing. And so Cadis Rinaldi was like, maybe <laughs> designing a better product label with a slogan or, or some poetry might help. But after a couple of really good sales batches, the rest of the senior man- executive management committee of the ceramics workshop, workshop who had no experience in marketing or sales was like, nah, it's a bad idea because it, it takes an extra five minutes to inscribe, even though it doubled the numbers and sent Cadis back to writing press releases about improved ceramic durability on Ostraca <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> We one day will do a drunken Patreon watching of Office Space and explain oh. why that is, yeah, uh, why I get PTSD and need counseling every time I watch it. Yeah. yeah. So, story number three. Okay. The Midwest is a hotbed of archaeology news. What? Really? Midwest United States? I mean, I honestly don't understand why, but the last story about the olive oil thingy came from the Kansas City Star again. Wow. Showing up in my Apple News archaeology topic feed. We got to find out who's on staff over there. I mean, I know it's a (laughs) subsidiary of McClatchy. And McClatchy is like one of those like Gannett news service distribution hubs. Okay. But why the Kansas City Star? Because somebody on their staff is like the Fucking oddball. somebody from McClatchy? <laughs> <laughs> or you have a, an oddball nerd on staff who's getting away with all kinds of mayhem. That's almost a story I want to write, like the secret archaeology nerd of Kansas City who gets a job at the Star and feeds these McClatchy archaeology stories, right? (laughs) But this next story is actually from, and I'm sorry if I sound weird, but... You just put ice in your mouth, didn't you? a A teeny tiny fragment of ice that I didn't intend slipped through my Yeti... The Yeti drinking slot? Kim's going to yell at you. (laughs) Kim's going to yell at you. I sounded funny, but I didn't crunch it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this next story is from the Idaho Statesman. Um, is it about potatoes? Oh, shit. It better not be about potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was, Is it about potatoes? I, you know, I am trying to 
think of a joke for it, but I can't other than my latest nickname for Meadow is Murder Potato. Because right. she's colored like a potato and shaped like a potato and chooses murder every morning. But yep. actually, yeah. I wouldn't have included this story, even if it's from the Idaho Statesman. But I, when I saw it, I kind of felt sentimental okay. because Lucy was just there recently. Oh, so this is not something that happened in Idaho. This is it's just being, like some of these Kansas do you think City the Kansas stars. City star actually sent the reporter to <laughs> southern <laughs> Spain. Really? Okay, so this is not a local story. No, this is, Idaho. this is a McClatchy wire okay. distribution story reprinted by the Idaho statesman. Okay. Well, Lucy, I mean, it could be anywhere. She's been all over the freaking well, place. On June 14th, per the Idaho Statesman, archaeologists discover, announced the discovery of the possibly oldest piece of art ever found in Iceland. (gasps) Oh! Wow! Yeah, she was there for a a flight layover for 24 hours. (laughs) You know, Iceland, I'm game to go. Yeah. Add it to our tour. (laughs) Yeah. So near the ancient settlement of Stud. Okay. I I I legit looked up how to pronounce it, played all the different (laughs) things, but I I know I'm still getting it wrong. And this is on the east coast, I think, of Iceland. Archaeologists have been excavating and researching a settlement of stone houses oh. and during this dig an even older set of houses was discovered which is quite common as people like we mentioned earlier tend to settle an advantageous location for decades generations and even centuries right right so scroll to the next picture scrolling Huh. Is so this like this a is, bird's eye view? Like a drone? It, it's a drone plan view. Okay. And All right. This is a long house. Okay. You're going to have to explain what I'm looking at because it just looks okay. like dirt with, with some sand. So <laughs> That's if all you I see. look, there's kind of an outer half oval of white stone. Okay. At the top. And then if you kind of follow the line around, you'll see it's sort of, you you could sort of fill in the line at the bottom as well. Yes. There is kind of an oval oval vibe going on here. (laughs) Yes. And you can see different right angles in black that would delineate various storage chambers, sleeping chambers, things like that. Yep. Yep. And, you know, across the way, you can see other little mounds that might've been storage houses, stables, things like that. And, you know, as a little quick unscripted aside, longhouses Mm -hmm. are a very interesting phenomenon because not only do we find them in ancient Viking settlements, but longhouses are an extremely common feature of 
First Nations and Indigenous American oh. uh, populations, especially Very on the cool. East Coast. And okay. again, I confess to my greater ignorance of, you know, the wide diversity of tribes and cultures okay. in, you know, early America. But I do know that longhouses were, you know, an endemic feature of their settlements because you could efficiently heat a space, cool a space, store things, protect it, you know. Okay. So All right. in these longhouses, they were digging and, you know, again, you dig. And then if you're a trained archaeologist, your eye is like, oh, wait, that's not floored. That's a ceiling. <laughs> okay. You learn to actually decipher the lay of the land and you see right. there's another layer. Mm-hmm. And they excavated this another layer and scroll down. They found a pebble <gasps> in the oh. wall. Of the next layer. Oh, it's that it has like lines on it. I I can you have the explanation above the picture, so I'm seeing. Yeah. If the explanation was not there, I wouldn't see it. It would you see a- that there were <laughs> deliberately carved lines in it? Yes, yes. These are deliberately carved lines. These are straight lines, for the most part. Um, some of them, most of them vertical with a few of them going horizontal. Look, you try chiseling yeah. a goddamn pebble by right, firelight right. while right. drinking mead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the note says this is a Viking sailing ship. Yep. And once I read that, then I see, oh yes, these vertical lines make what is the right? sail. And then you see the curve of the bottom of the ship that is very faded along the bottom of this carving. You don't, my eye doesn't pick up that until I read sailing ship. And I'm like, oh, so is there one with Fenrir on it? Is there a Fenrir carving? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Fenrir probably left that like. (laughs) That's right. It, it was the equivalent of the locker post-it note. Like, you're awesome. <laughs> you were here. <laughs> but, you know, I I appreciate the not being able to see it at first because, you know, I've, I've traveled. When I did a lot of archaeological-oriented traveling, mm-hmm. um in my 20s and early 30s. Yeah. You know, when I would get to a place, it would take a good half hour to an hour of just walking around the site and being able to sort of peek into, you know, the remains of doorways. And by remains, I mean like three inches that sort of indicate this might have been a doorway. Gotcha. But after a while, it's... Um, I've never succeeded at this, but have you ever done those like trick eye puzzles where you stare at it and eventually it like pops out at you? Yes. I've never succeeded at one of those. Oh, I, I, my eyes can't do it. Like I can make wallpaper become 3d. I can do all sorts of things by unfocusing my eyes, but I can't 
solve that stupid goddamn point problem. Wow. But when you've been at a site long enough, Mm -hmm. you actually start to see how it's almost like an overlaid trick of your brain. And you start to see and understand how things were carved, how things were designed, how things were laid out. And, you know, if you're working at a site like this longhouse day after day, Mm -hmm. I know that like when you come across this pebble, you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Right, right. Because yeah. I'm one of those like swanky bitches who's like, oh my God, you can't do the eye trick. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But the reason I'm so interested in this mm-hmm. is because it kind of feeds into what I what I guess inaccurately I'm calling a macro trend that I see in all kinds of archaeology and anthropology disciplines and subfields. Which is that a lot of the people's places and artifacts that we find are turning out to be a lot older than we thought. Oh. So to start with, the dating of this pebble is exciting because it proves that Vikings had settled Iceland around 800 CE, which is decades earlier than had been previously thought. Oh, okay. And while decades, quote unquote, doesn't seem to be that big of a deal, it's just one example of the fact that, you know, we've been out and about moving and exploring and even just existing for a lot longer than expected. Right. Yeah. And, you know, one of my secret passions is actually for European cave art. Yes, this has come up. (laughs) I I know, but it's so cool. But anyway, but recent studies are suggesting that some of this art, which is already dated 20,000 to 50,000 years old. That uh, my brain just will not grasp that. That I know. So it might actually be closer to 75 to 100,000 years old. That is insane. Think about something like the trend of the Impressionists lasting for 30,000 years. Okay. Wow. Like literally cave art and the, just from an art perspective, the development of trends and techniques over tens of thousands of years is a fascinating study because while there are changes, it's also remarkably static for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it really, cave art is legitimately the oldest and longest surviving art tradition of humanity. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, And then add that to the discoveries of the last 20 years about human evolution and the fact that we've realized it's not, you've seen those like evolution lines from like amoeba to ape to, you know, Neanderthal to man. It's not a straight line from ape to homo sapien. And that the homo family tree is more like an overgrown tangled bush 
with thousands (laughs) of branches and offshoots. Wow. And we are kind of the product of the dumb fucking luck sometimes of evolution. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's just awe-inspiring and fascinating. And I know I'm nerding out and we'll stop, but (laughs) welcome to how my mind works. And... Because this is how my mind works, let's go to story number four, my favorite new segment, Ancient Dick Picks. Damn it. (laughs) Okay. I know I don't usually do a fourth story, but I cannot resist this one. Okay. And yes, I'm going to make Ancient Dick Picks a new segment that is almost as much fun as Would You Eat It? Oh, <laughs> which reminds don't, me, I should do, do another. Say those in the same sentence. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. Keep going. Come on. I can't. Okay. So oh. the reason I am tickled by this ancient dick pic is because it comes from a place that is on my bucket list. You get three guesses. Three guesses? Um, three guesses. Okay. So where have you not been? That's, I don't. That is not a guess. I don't think you've been to Australia. Correct. Is that, that the location? Is, that is not the location, but it is a very good guess. Okay. I don't think you have been to to and like what would be on a bucket list? Like I don't think Antarctica, Antarctica. Uh, is on your bucket list well yeah but it it is because it's but... just not realistic is it you on know, your bucket I list i heard an ad for a cruise to antarctica and i was like if it wasn't a cruise ship i would go right um so somewhere in south america nope no okay. desire okay okay there are uh, too many some... things in there's a beautiful places but there's yes I'm, but I'm not going either because there's too many things that want to kill you in that exactly the closer you get to the equator the more nature is attacking you <laughs> <laughs> which might be a deep dive for another time anyway third yeah. guess okay so it's got to be somewhere in a colder climate I really don't think you're gonna guess it yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not um China. I don't know. Close. Beautiful stuff. Japan. 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 I take back all my other guesses. Japan. Uh, well, Japan is on the list for the within the next five years. <laughs> but the actual answer is Mongolia. Oh, yeah. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I have always, always, always wanted to go to Mongolia for reasons. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, this story surprising also surprisingly also has a little tie-in to what I was just talking about with the idea that things turn out to be older than we thought. And I didn't even realize the connection until I started writing out this story. Okay. So archaeologists have found a stone pendant representing a penis near the archaeological site of Tolbor in the northern Kangai Mountains of Mongolia. Okie dokie. Which is kind of in the middle of East Nowhere. (laughs) Part of why I want to go to Mongolia. It's like an introvert's paradise. 
scroll to the next picture. Okay. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Like if you made a triangle with Russia, China, and Kazakhstan, this is kind of like on the line between Russia and China. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just like East yeah, nowhere. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else. Except there is a resort there. I'm just saying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> of course there is. Okay. No, but like for introverts only. <laughs> it, right. Like nobody talks to you and that's fine with me, but yeah. So, you know, Mongolia has a really interesting position in history as kind of being, you know, we're, we're going to have to do an episode on Genghis Khan Federal Trade and Transportation Commission. Okay. <laughs> because the history of Genghis Khan as we know it is written by the losers of the West. Okay. You know, they say history is written by the victors, but sometimes it's written by the losers who a couple centuries later end up as the victors. Oh, and, okay. You know, what we hear of Genghis Khan as this bloodthirsty monster who mm -hmm. threatened and just conquered for the shit of, shits of it. Yeah. N not exactly true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Make a note. <laughs> anyway, um, there, when I read the story, I'm like, okay, we have to do this because there are some interesting things of note about this lucky charm oh. that was worn on a string around the neck. Pandora, take oh, note. Oh, damn. Please scroll to the next picture. I don't want to scroll. <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh. Okay, I got, I actually have to zoom back out. I zoomed right. I zoomed in and I got to zoom out to see yeah. this. This just looks like a couple of rocks or a rock that has like some etchings. Okay, I see it now. Yeah. All right. Well, but yeah. remember remember your doubt and cynicism for a second. This so, yeah. Yeah, is this intentional or is this just coincidental nature? Right. Uh, and, that's a and tough call. Hold on, because I I want to hear more from you on that. Okay. So it's going to be hard to resist terrible jokes. Okay. But who am I kidding? We can go for it because this pendant is two inches long. <laughs> but it's not the size that matters. Talk about a May-December relationship. This stone penis has been dated to 42,000 years ago. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Which is 2,000 <laughs> years earlier, i.e. the time between us and, quote-unquote, Jesus. Right. Than any other anthropomorphized sex representation, which is fancy way of saying anatomically correct representative art. Wow. Instead of symbolic, like, fruit or a flower. Oh. Okay. Oh. And wow. I know the Barbie movie is coming out. Mm-hmm. And we all have questions for Ryan Gosling about Ken. 
<laughs> because I saw my sport and shave, Ken. I'm just saying. I'm not go. I'm not touching. There was this. nothing that could make a skipper there. I'm just. <laughs> no wonder Barbie could be a career woman. She could never have a baby. <laughs> anyway, previous contenders for the record of the oldest sex organ representation. Okay. Include the Venus of Hohefels, which I know I'm mispronouncing, but. I really don't care at this point, which is a fucking mammoth ivory, mammoth ivory, not elephant, mammoth. Wow. Ivory carving of a female body. Oh. Oh, wait, I just scrolled and I see it now. It was found in Germany and dated to between 35,000 to 40,000 years ago. Bitch got hips. (laughs) A bitch is fertile and And, can sustain life. And I I say that in like mad props. Yeah. Kind of. Because. That's the the message. It's not. I'm not shaming. I'm like, you go, girl. Right. (laughs) Who's the um, anorexic Kate? Uh, Kate, what's her name from England, who was like oh, heroin chic. You I know who I'm talking about, right? Um, it'll come to us later. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, heroin chic was not the aesthetic. Like, yeah. slightly plump, survivable, reproductive right. goodness was the aesthetic. Yeah. Pretty much up until cocaine chic of the 1920s. Anyway. <laughs> Um, there are also paintings of the human vulva in the Chauvet Caves in France that date to about 32,000 years ago, although who knows, they may eventually be aged older. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, it, it's not just because, like, ancient art is all about, like, body parts that I'm fascinated, but, you know, just the fact that whatever language we may have had what Ever, you know, cognitive development we may have had, we had the ability to conceptualize and represent the abstract. Okay. And yeah, the the ability to conceptualize and represent and communicate abstraction mm-hmm. is for a long time, it's what we thought separated us from the beasts. Okay. But the more we learn, the more we're like, eh, yeah, maybe they just have a way of doing it we don't understand yet. But still, okay, the complexity of human language right. is, you know, a whole other area. But anyway, yeah. so some other things that are unique about this penis pendant, hello, Pandora, is that it's made of graphite, which was a substance not native to that area of Mongolia or anywhere nearby. Oh, okay. Which means that somebody either traded for it or brought it with them over a great distance. Okay. Which, if you think back to the glass bead from the very first story, Mm -hmm. 3,000 miles from a rock to the Netherlands. Right. 
And, you know, looking at 42,000 fucking years ago, Mm -hmm. it's not like you had a nice highway with rest stops and Starbucks for your road trip. (laughs) Those people had it rough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No Starbucks? One day we'll we'll talk about the red herring kilts that they have found buried in Western China. But anyway. Okay. Um, The pendant is also very smooth with, which indicates it has been worn and handled for. (laughs) I didn't even realize that when I wrote it, but whatever, whatever. The best joke is yet to come. Just hold it in. Okay. So it has been. (laughs) I see the word you have here. Go ahead. Say it. Say it. God damn it, I can't. Handed down over generations. <laughs> right handed down, or maybe left, who knows? We don't discriminate. Hand it up and down and up and down. Now, remember oh, your yeah. skepticism? Yes. Yeah. So you're in good company because not. Everyone is convinced that this is a penis pendant. Okay. Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced. One researcher at Boston University, shout out to a reluctant alma mater, (laughs) um, says he'd need more proof that this lumpy, shapeless object is really a phallic symbol. Yeah. But dare I say it? Uh-oh. The smacks of penis envy. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> but okay. I think the reality it might be somewhere in between. Okay. My guess is that this piece, shapeless, lumpy piece of graphite mm-hmm. started out as being found in nature. And right. someone saw it and was high, drunk, or starving, or dehydrated, and was like, ah, look at that. I It could be a penis. <laughs> and they picked it up and tinkered with it and carved it a little bit and thought, yeah. good enough for my second cousin's bachelor party gift, and let yeah. it go at that. I yeah that I can get on board with (laughs) right like it was sort of a natural weird double lump formation and somebody's like oh if I just etch a line in there because you know if you look back at the like Venus of Hohefels and you think back to some of the other pictures of carvings and statues it's not like it's a precise representative art yeah they take yeah. what they can and put the least amount of effort into it. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's what academics forget. Like ancient people weren't worried about the precision of their representation. They were just like, get it done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there you have it. Ancient dick pickery for our oh new segment. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Very disturbing. And I can tell you're tipsy, if not drunk. Tipsy. Okay. Yeah. I'm tipsy on tepid water. (laughs) And penis fuckery. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. 
What do you have coming in the down the pipeline? I I would say next week, but with uh, at some how, point there will be yeah. another episode. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. What what kind yeah. of options are are on the wheel? <laughs> um I was thinking of actually trying to do just a simple happy dappy myth. Oh. But there are no happy dappy myths, so I'm going to take like a weird fucking myth and just make it weirder. Oh, so, of course. Okay. Yeah. But again, I, I'm hoping not to go as deep and terrible as Agdidas <laughs> right. for a while because yeah. that was that was sad. Yeah. So in the meantime, please subscribe yourselves to our social media scrolls. We're on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. We're on TikTok at Drunk Mythology Gals. We're on the web at drunkmythologygals.com and also... Uh, we don't have an actual URL, but look us up on YouTube at just look up Drunk Mythology Gals. Yeah. Come up. <laughs> Is my video of my unboxing yes. still there? Yes. And, like and I up. Yeah. I recorded more. I just haven't finished editing them to put them up. And that's what, two years ago? <laughs> eh, you know, we are all bandit with sad ball ball. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also you can go over to Patreon where we have a whole lot of fun stuff in an archive over there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Drunk Mythology Gals. And special thanks to Sound Effects Kim for putting the top spin on our sound. And thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, I just went to Pandora and they have their new seasonal collection out. <laughs> I used to sell Pandora, another story for another time. Finally, always remember, if the gods can behave badly, then so can you. 